No, dear brothers and sisters, that as we have rejoiced at the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy, we announce to you also the joy of his resurrection, who is our Savior. On the 22nd day of February, we'll fall Ash Wednesday, and the beginning of the fast of the most sacred Lenten season. On the ninth day of April, you will celebrate with joy Easter Day, the Paschal Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the 21st day of May will be the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the 28th day of May, the Feast of Pentecost. On the 11th day of June, the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. On the third day of December, the first Sunday of the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom is honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And you're wondering right now, is he going to chant the entire homily? <laughs> no. In fact, this is called the announcement of Easter and the movable feasts. And it is a chant that has been done by deacons since the 5th century. We've never actually done it here at St. Thomas, to my knowledge, but we thought we would try that this, this year. Uh, and historically, the reason it was done was because there was no such thing as a written calendar. So somebody had to get up on the Feast of the Epiphany and announce to people, this is when Ash Wednesday is going to be, this is when Easter is going to be this year, this is when Advent will start, because it's different every year. And so it was a custom of the church uh, to do that for many, many years. And we do that today in this great solemnity of the Epiphany of our Lord. And when I was reflecting on the readings for this weekend, I was thinking about when I was a kid, we used to subscribe to the Blade. I think my dad still does. We don't get it anymore. But one of the sections in the Blade is the, used to be the peach section. Some of you may remember that. Uh, still kind of exists in some form, but not like it used to anymore. But anyway, the peach section was the only thing I ever read as a kid because it had two things that you could find in it. One was it had the TV listings, and the other is it had all the cartoons. So it would be the first thing that I would check out every day. But it also had this column that would appear in there um, every couple of weeks, and it was titled something like, Things I Found While Looking for Something Else. And the author of that article would talk about, I'm seeing some heads nodding, you guys remember that. The author would talk about things like, um, you know, while I was looking for a word in the dictionary, I stumbled across another word and I learned something I hadn't known before. 
or when I was taking a drive and I hit a dead end and I realized that there was road construction going on, I had to turn left and when I did, I found a store or a restaurant or something I didn't even know existed. And so it was kind of an, an interesting article that talked about, well, we can get distracted from something that we're trying to do. Sometimes that distraction can lead us to something very wonderful. And I think that's the case with the Feast of the Epiphany this weekend. We hear the story of these magi or wise men, sometimes referred to as kings because of Psalm 72 saying so, or sometimes referred to as astrologers in some translations. We don't know a whole lot about them. We know that they came from the east. We know that they were very interested in studying the stars. They would have been pagans. They didn't understand necessarily the Jewish culture. They were Gentiles. Um, but they had been watching the stars, and they realized that something was going on in the heavens that they had never seen before. And they read that as a sign that someone great was going to be born. And whoever this is, we don't know who it is, but we're going to bring him gifts, and we're going to go travel and try to find him. And so they followed the star. The problem is that the star disappeared, and they got lost. So they didn't go down to the local university and ask a, an astronomer. They didn't go to the scientists. They actually decided to go to Jerusalem, and seek out the Jewish leadership. Because they knew the Jewish leadership was in touch with scripture and they might be able to give them some information. And so that's what they do. They got, their trip was interrupted and they end up in Jerusalem. And so they find out that the, the baby is being born in Bethlehem and so they begin their route again toward Bethlehem and then the star reappears, they find Jesus and we hear that they gave him three gifts. Gold, because he's a king. Frankincense, because he's divine, he's God, and myrrh, because he's human, and he's going to suffer for us. And so once they give him those gifts, they're all ready to go back to Herod, because Herod said, come back and tell me where he is. So they're ready to take that trip, but then their plans get interrupted again, because while they're sleeping, an angel appears to them and says, don't go back to Herod. That's going to be a problem. So they have to find another route to go home by. Their trip was interrupted multiple times. And the Catholic theologian, Father Karl Rahner, says that the epiphany of our Lord is all about these men trying to find God. And that it is a parallel or a metaphor for our own lives as we go through the journey in our life of trying to find God. And the Catholic Catechism of the, of, of the Church actually doubles down on that and says that we'll notice that the wise men never would have found Jesus if it hadn't been for the church and scripture. And that if we really want to find Jesus in our lives, we're going to need to rely on the church and scripture, just as, as they did in Jerusalem. And they model for us something that goes on in our own lives. How often do you and I experience interruptions when we're doing things? I looked up the word interrupt in the dictionary. It is to stop continuous progress. <laughs> and I asked myself, who defines progress? Is it the progress as we see our lives, or is it the progress as God sees our lives? Because there are lots of interruptions in Scripture. Consider, for example, the story of Moses. What's Moses? He's a shepherd, right? He's out there shepherding in the field, and the burning bush, God appears to him and says, I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses pushes back. First thing he says to God is, who am I? And he says, I am not an eloquent speaker. And he literally tells God, send someone else. But God tells, tells um, Moses, I will be with you. It's okay. And so Moses, we know the rest of that story of the success that he had.
Jeremiah was the same way, one of the greatest prophets. Jeremiah came from a priestly family. He was pretty wealthy. He was well-to-do. He knew he would spend the rest of his life right there in the temple area. But God appears to him and says, I want you to be a prophet. And Jeremiah's response is, I don't even know how to speak, besides which, I'm too young. And God says to him, I am with you to deliver you. And Jeremiah becomes one of the great prophets. And who can forget about Peter? What's Peter? He's a fisherman. He's out in the boat fishing, and Jesus calls him. And Peter gets down on his knees and says, Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. This is not for me. Sorry. And Jesus says, No, I want you to leave my church. And he does. And when Jesus is ascending to heaven, what does he say? Know that I am with you always until the end of the world. All of these stories in scripture have a common thread. Somebody is going along in their life, making progress, doing what they had planned on doing in their lives, and God interrupted them. And when the interruption comes, they naturally push back and say, not me. And what does God tell them every time? I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. And so they take that different route, and they become successful at what they do. Isaiah chapter 55 says, Your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above yours. I think we need to keep that in mind because we see a lot of things in our lives as interruptions. And rightly so. We lose a job. We lose a child. Or someone else is born unexpectedly into the family. We fail a class. We change our majors. All kinds of things happen in our lives. And we tend to see them as interruptions because we had it all planned out that this is the direction we're going to move in, but God didn't have that as his plan. We see it as an interruption or a distraction. God sees it part of the master plan. Had an interesting conversation over the holidays. A cousin of my wife's passed away. And after the burial, we went back for the funeral luncheon, and we were having a conversation with a woman at the table who um, is a dental hygienist. And we were talking about how she met her husband. And she was telling me this story, and she said, you know, when I was in school to be a dental hygienist, I was learning along, and I'm doing an internship, and the internship was going great. And the doctor liked me a lot, and I liked that office, and I couldn't wait to graduate and take a job there and, and settle in. But she said, by the time I graduated, his niece also graduated, and guess who got the job? So the niece got hired, she missed out on it, and she said, I was absolutely devastated. So she went back and started doing some freelance type of work, and she ended up in another dentist's office, and in that office, while she was doing her work, she met the love of her life. And she ended up marrying him, lives happily ever after. And she said to me, you know, If I had not gone through the crush of losing that first job, I never would have met my husband, and my life would have taken a totally different path. And I told her, that's how God works. It was an interruption in your life, but part of God's plan. Everything is part of God's plan. We just have to look over our shoulders sometime to be able to see that and to trust that we're moving in the direction that God wants us to move in, though sometimes it doesn't seem right in our own lives. Paul in Romans says, all things work for the good of God. All things work. Everything comes together. And so I think about that on this Feast of the Epiphany. There are so many messages we could talk about in these scripture readings. 
But one of them that occurred to me is this idea that events happen in our lives that at the time can feel like a disaster, like our life is completely falling apart. But Pope Francis challenges us in his homily this weekend. He raises this question. What hidden opportunities are present in the midst of my crises and my sufferings? Hidden opportunities when our lives get interrupted. And my suggestion is to follow the direction and the example of the Magi today. Trust in God. Stay connected to the church. Stay connected to scripture. Bow down and worship God. And be prepared to return home by a different route. We just might discover that we find great things in our lives when we're looking for something else.